Hello and welcome to episode 123 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans topic-specific podcast not attached to current events. My name is Mike Solosi. I'm your host today, and I'm here with two dog lovers and celebrants of the Year of the Dog. First, starting with Caitlin Argyros. Hi, guys. Thanks, are all on the boards. Happy to return to Retro at last. Yeah, it's been a minute since we've had you, Caitlin. Not since the uh, Final Fantasy XII episodes, am I right? Yeah, it's been, it's been too long. It's always too long. And uh, joining Caitlin and I is Hilary Andrew. Hi, good to be here. Um, we're here for a very special episode. We didn't play a game just for this episode, but there is a game that we're going to be talking about. Um, for followers of the lunar calendar, you may know that in the Chinese New Year, the Year of the Dog began a few days ago on February the 16th. So, what game celebrates both dogs and the Lunar New Year... And you know the other, all the animals of the new Lunar New Year in the you know in the Chinese calendar. Then Okami, the PS2 classic that has been remade for at least three other systems. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm counting one. Okay, so so it's PS2, Wii, PS3, PC, PS4. Oh, and and Xbox. So there's been six different re-releases. Uh, one initial release in the PS2 and five re-releases of Okami over the years. And um, I think it's. Would you call it an unassailable classic, or just a, a really good PS2 game? Or I, oh, I'd I, I, say I it's know. a classic. All right, I would All too. Right. I unfortunately didn't play Okami until its PS3 release. I bought it on PS2, but didn't even touch it. And uh, I, I think I was half off on PS3 once, and I played it enthusiastically in the 2011-2012 range, and had a lot of fun with it. Um. Caitlin, did you were you in Alakami on the ground floor, or did you play a little later? Oh, I was in there. I was in Okami fandom before the game even came out. <laughs> All right. Um, so I I got introduced to the game when I saw the TGS. I believe it was 2004 trailer, and this was just a little demonstration of uh, Ami running around fighting enemies, and it was set to. What we would later find out is the the classic uh, Shinshu Fields theme, and I immediately fell in love with it. I the art style was gorgeous; uh, it just looked beautiful and sounded great. But I wasn't at the time. I thought, eh, I don't know if this game is going to come out. It's so Japanese. I don't know if Capcom is going to see you know to think that it's going to do well outside of Japan. So when we we got it. I was super ecstatic about it. I was, I was so happy to play it. And I, I actually had imported it previously in Japanese and had been slowly working my way through all of the copious amounts of text because the game has a lot of dialogue. Um, and was working through that. Then I bought it in English. I absolutely loved it. It was everything that I thought it was going to be and more. And I've been super happy to see that it has done well enough to see several ports and a uh, DS sequel uh, or you know, sequel uh, in Okami Den. So um, yeah, I've been I've been a I've been a dog fan, at least a fan of this particular uh, canine um, for quite some time. Right, and um, if memory serves, Caitlin, you wrote a review of the um, either the PS4 or the PC version of Okami a few months ago, at the right near the end of 2017. And um, I think I saw you 
on the RPG Fan Twitch channel playing or replaying that version uh, earlier this year. Am I am I correct in in remembering that? On both accounts, yes. Yes, okay, I, right. I had the great honor to review the PS4 uh, uh, remastered. It's, it's basically the same remastered version as the PS3, but it's coming. it came to PS4, PC, and Xbox at the end of 2017. Got to review that, and I have been uh, streaming uh, the game on PC. So, yes. I see. Okay. And we should mention this a little bit before I ask Hillary about her uh, personal experience with Okami. Um RPG fan didn't cover the initial PS1, PS2 release or its um, re-releases on the Wii or PS3, and that's because it's there's the whole is it or isn't an RPG discussion that I kind of hate having, but uh, because I I mean my personal feeling is if we think um, readers would be interested and if there are staff that are interested in writing about it then we might as well review and or talk about it because there was enough you know uncertainty about. Okami's RPG status, it was not reviewed in those first few incarnations. But uh, I guess the current leadership of RPG Fan, or at least the leadership of from for most of 2017, was interested in covering it a little bit, so we decided to finally let someone review it, and that someone was Caitlin. And even, and listener, if you think Okami's an RPG or isn't an RPG, or if that definition matters, that that's fine. We don't care. It's on the site, and it's on Retro Encounter. So, there we go. <laughs> Now, Hillary, um, same question to you. Like, what's your, uh, how long, when did you first start playing Okami, and what are your general thoughts about it? Let's see. Well, I first saw it um, because of a, a college friend's little sister, actually. She started playing it, and it was one of those games that I sort of saw her playing, really wanted to see more, really wanted to play it myself, but the timing was just not good. Didn't have access to it for a while, so... I ended up playing the PS2 version probably like a few years after it was released, actually. And haven't been back to it for quite a while, but with all these re-releases, I'm excited to play it again. I recently started, so. Awesome. I, I mentioned this before, I guess, a little bit, but I thought it was beautiful and interesting and fascinating for um, for the first moment I saw it. And especially being a bit of a Capcom fanboy, I was uh, interested in playing it. But I... I don't know exactly what got in the way. I mean, I was in college when it came out, and it, and I, and I, you know, I followed its coverage. I was, uh, I was interested in playing it, but it just didn't happen for me. I think, I think, I think it's because I was extremely busy my last two years of college, and I didn't, uh, um, I, I just a lot of my PS2 collection got left in the dust a little bit, but. When I did end up playing it, it um, on the HD version on PS3, I thought it was outstanding. It's uh, probably my favorite 3D Zelda game, um, even though it doesn't technically have that word on the cover. But it's uh, it, it's so sty- it's so uniquely stylized, and um, and the gameplay is satisfying, and the story is really interesting. I think now um, on the surface. Uh, perhaps obviously, it incorporates a lot of classic stories from Japanese folklore. I mean, you have the uh, the Susano Orochi um, uh, tale that is sort of represented in the, I guess, the first chapter or two of the game, and towards the end when they, there's a sort of reprise Orochi fight, and then there's a you know an evil trickster fox middle chapter, and then they incorporate some, I, I think, like some Ainu lore in the in the Kamui area of the game because like Ainu are an indigenous Japanese people of of Hokkaido, and uh, 
like the and Kamui is an Ainu god, and uh, the Kamui area is basically a frozen Hokkaido-ish area. And but also it has a a sort of a uh, a really clever funny script like like uh, like I mean Susano is a complete goofball and there's a there's a surprising amount of humor both visual and written humor uh, throughout Okami so uh, uh, Hillary like, what are your thoughts on how um, they incorporate the folklore and do you remember what do you remember about the story and script of the game? So one of the very first things I I remember is actually. Um... Emmy's posture when other characters are talking. I think of that first when I sort of think of like the humor of this game. I mean, she's very much acting like a typical dog. She falls asleep <laughs> sometimes. She kind of growls a little bit, sniffs, all that <laughs> fun stuff. And that, that kind of left a lasting impression. I love that. It, 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 she has a lot of dog-like <laughs> mannerisms. I wonder if they like did them, um, if they had a, uh some very confused dog do motion capture for the animators <laughs> or something. <laughs> but, uh, I totally agree. And anything else? Just how lively all the characters are, honestly. Like, it it was just an absolute treat to see all these, the way all these different stories kind of came together and how they put them all together into a larger overarching story, I think. It made it something similar, celebratory, but also a little bit different. Right. And, uh, Caitlin, you played this very recently. Uh, what are your thoughts on sort of the game's script and how it holds up? Oh uh, well, I think I mean like just from a writing standpoint, it's it's excellent. Um, characters really come through in the writing. Um, you know, Isun being your talking piece has a lot of personality. You know, the whole um, you know if we're going with the Zelda analogies, Isun is your Navi. He's he's a much he's, better and much more charming <laughs> version of Navi. Yeah, he's not nearly he's he's annoying, but he's annoying in a in a way that you you know makes you love him. Whereas Navi was just kind of annoying, and you're like, shut up, Navi. And he's um, and he's chatty, but not chatty the way Navi is. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like you know, not just Isun, but all of the characters really shine in their writing, and it's great to see the humor come through, um, not just in the writing, but also in the animation. Uh, most of the uh, brush gods that you meet have a a mm. funny little quirk to their to their animation, whether it's <sighs> like say. Bakugami is the uh, like the boar or the pig uh, god rolling on a giant bomb and his and little, he's, he's little baby. His little, yeah, his little hoglets following him behind. Oh. Trying to blow him up, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so. oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah they're, they're all, all, most of the brush gods have that little humor to them. Some of them are straight, but a lot of them just have a little, like, you know, kind of fun to them. And that was always a treat. Um, I, but I, yeah. I, 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 I'm going to say this in advance i do not remember any of their names other than amaterasu so i'm going so i'm going to be identifying but them by their animals or by their powers because it is there's what 16 of them and they're all something gami it's it's a lost cause i'm not going to remember them by their real names yeah it's 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 hard um i only remember a few off the top of my head too so don't worry about it um but no i I think one of the things that I love the most about the game is, like you mentioned, how it brings in um, those references to Japanese folklore, mythology, and does it in really interesting and cool ways. I mean, it's not, you have the characters and they do sort of somewhat uh, tell their stories. Like you have Susano uh, fighting off Orochi to save Kushi, uh, which is part of the the, the myth uh, surrounding the, um, them. Uh, you've got uh, um, 
the tale of the bamboo cutter and uh, Kaguya being this this uh, this moon child who has to return to uh, to her homeland. That's that's part of the the myth surrounding her too. Uh, and the, the tale, and there, yeah, and there's also the uh, the fisherman and the turtle because you go you go, you visit the Ryukyu kingdom and meet the uh, uh, the queen there. Mm-hmm. For for something and that's so and that's part of the uh, fisherman and the turtle sh- uh, story. There's there, there's a lot of Japanese folklore and fairy tales that are not part of the you know common Western lexicon. So there's probably a dozen references that I didn't understand when I played Mokami twenty oh, yeah. uh, uh, you know five or six years ago whenever I did. And, and and I'm a and I'm an enthusiast of myth and folklore who you know knows more than the average person about uh, the myths of different cultures. So it's but it was cool seeing it represented in such an interesting way. And um, all the brush gods you mentioned, they're all animals within the Chinese zodiac, except for the cat, which is in some uh, different versions of the lunar calendar. I think like uh, I think it's either the Vietnamese or the uh, uh, or, or the Thai version of that lunar calendar has the cat instead of the rabbit. But like lots of little cool stories like that are like sneak into Okami in cool ways, and they're represented by these brush gods who give. Ami, all of her powers that she uses throughout the game for if this was using the Zelda comparison, all of you know uh, Zelda's skills and spells and tools that he uses are basically the brush gods in Okami. Um, Caitlin, do you have a particular favorite? I mean, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the pig with the bomb powers. Um. Well, let's see. Just in terms of the the antics that they they get into. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, uh, um, and I'm going to blank on names here, of course, but um, the the god that gives you your your moon power, um, which is the the rabbit that's uh, pounding mochi, um, that's was so random and cute that they're like pounding mochi, and then he's get he's like, Ami, you're doing it wrong, and goes kind of ham on her. Um, I think uh, if I'm remembering your name, Nuegami, uh, the um, the snake that's trapped in a little bottle and can't get out um, gives you the water spout ability. Uh, was super cute. Um, gosh, it's really hard to remember off the top of my head. Um, all of the uh, the uh, uh, flora gods, um, the the hanugami, the, oh, the, the, three... the the three monkeys that have different blossoming and sprouting plant powers. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were they were all very fun. The first one I was like mostly straight, but the second two got really. <laughs> Uh, funky with like trying to catch their symbols and and things like that so it's just it's a lot of fun and i mean like that's entirely separate from the abilities themselves which are also really useful and fun to to work with but just it was nice to see that humor added in because it is it's the same basic sequence every time you meet them they just say oh great mother okami mother to us all you know uh we long have I slumbered and, and hid from the world, and now you've awakened me. You please use my power to. And it, you know, it, and, it, and it like cuts off to sort of a uh, sort of like a heavenly kind of setting, and uh, and all of the animals, including Amaterasu, are sort of these stylized white and red versions of their of their animal forms. Mm-hmm. And but I mean, like both of you have said, they have a lot of sort of physical mannerisms and antics that make them very cute and amusing, and, and sometimes intimidating. Like the tiger one that has a and uh, that has a large bow and arrow and gives you lightning powers is kind of scary and almost has like a stare down with uh, Ami for a minute. <laughs> yep. But uh, but like like you you can tell that they're you know they're 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 friendly. They're your they're your buddy gods, and they're uh, 
uh, re- really cool designs. And I guess each of them also have a sort of item or implement. Am I, am yeah, I, am I remembering uh, yeah. that correctly? Yeah, I, yeah. Thought so. I thought so. Usually. Yeah, pretty much. So, so each of them is an animal. Each of them has a god and a power and an orderly, which is like an, an element or some special skill. And they all have a little tool that they use. So, like, you have a tiger with a big bow and arrow and a mouse with a big sword. and a, yeah, and I was an, just about to mention that. Right, and, and, and an ox with, like, a big uh, hunting horn or something. So it's... It's a really cool collection, and every time you meet one, it feels really important and impactful. And uh, so, so Hillary, did you have a favorite? Um, the mouse slash rat with the sword is always, always adorable. Yummy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm, I've already given up on trying to remember their names. Like, <laughs> nope, sorry. Um, uh, as someone who is a huge fan of games like Act Razor, where you kind of go around restoring the land. Um, the land restoring trio was probably also my other favorite. I just really like going around and making things pretty again. Blossom is just so much fun. Yeah. And we should mention maybe the like one of the defining gameplay gimmicks of Okami is you sort of dr- uh, to use the god powers. You use a celestial brush to draw uh, to draw symbols or directions or basic commands to activate all of these powers. And like we, they're even called brush gods, which I think one of which I think Caitlin probably mentioned already. Mm-hmm. But so the powers that you get from these are pretty persistent. Like uh, one complaint I have about Zelda games sometimes is that like you know the item that you get in a dungeon that you know sort of like assists the the defining gimmick of the dungeon. Sometimes those weapons are mostly forgotten outside that dungeon, or have maybe one puzzle outside that dungeon. Like the ultimate example, I think is the spinner item in uh, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, which I don't think you ever need to use outside that desert dungeon where you get it. But Okami's not like that. Like, whenever you get a new Brush God power, uh, it, you, it, you will probably need to use it soon after you get it, but, if you, but like throughout the world, you will still be using the Brush powers that you got in the very beginning of the game. They're very persistent and very versatile. Yeah, and getting them and then in some cases powering them up uh, gives you access to other areas, lets you get items that you you couldn't previously uh, uh, receive and just allows you to explore more of the world. It makes backtracking, which you do have to do uh, a couple times throughout the game, um, if you don't want to like fast travel skip, it makes it rewarding to go back to those areas once you've gotten a new skill, like uh, being able to dig through hard rock lets you find more things. Um, when you upgrade power slash, you can you can break uh, stone and later on um, harder uh, materials to get things. So it, it it rewards you. It makes it rewarding to uh, to backtrack, which is something a lot of games don't necessarily do very well. They make backtracking tedious and and just about getting from point A to point B instead of giving you more tools to make that that point A to point B interesting. Yeah, and, yeah. and, 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 and there, these are dense stages to revisit. This isn't a big, empty Hyrule field. There's a lot going on in every setting of the game. Mm-hmm. And it really feels like you're exploring. Yes, it does. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, let, let's see, where do we want to go from here? Uh, I mean, we, about how those brush powers work, did you... Um, now, I played that on a, uh, on a PS3 controller. Uh, Caitlin, have you also played the Wii version of this game? 
I have, and uh, personally, I found that brush techniques didn't work as well okay. uh, using motion controls. Y- you, um, yeah, you were able to, you know, put two and two together and see where I was trying to direct this <laughs> this topic. Yeah, it's 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 really ironic because you would think, oh, this is the perfect game for the Wii with you know motion controls. It it should be fun to paint using the Wiimote to move, but actually, it really wasn't, and. It, Ironically, it's, or not ironically, but rather similarly, it's been, I've had kind of the same experience on PC when I've tried to use the uh, keyboard and mouse, uh, using the mouse to brush. It works, but it isn't, it doesn't flow quite as well. It doesn't look as nice as using the analog stick um, because the mouse is just that much more accurate. So it's able to like more accurately represent how horrible I am at drawing and sometimes that means that I screw up uh, a brush technique and it doesn't do what I want it to do. So it's one of those weird situations where, yeah, I think I ultimately prefer using analog sticks to control uh, the brush techniques. That's that's interesting to me because I, I haven't played the PC or Wii versions, but I do remember one of my friends telling me, I think it was someone in the gaming club in college, that uh, the Wii version of Okami seems like it should be perfect but it isn't perfect and it th- that makes it kind of frustrating cuz and he the example he used was one area i remember being a little challenging uh th- there's a segment where you're sort of going down a raft down a raging river and to um to save yourself you use the uh one of the growth powers from the from the monkeys to tie vines to the end uh, between your raft and the uh uh and and the shoreline or like to trees on the shoreline. Uh, please correct me if I'm misremembering this. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you're basically just like cre- like creating vines to ho- to hold your raft in place, and to do that you have to do fairly tight circular uh, um, brush strokes, and then and then drag them out to um, to the outside. So like doing uh, activities like tight circles and then lines following them seems like it would be easier on a on a Wii mote or on a mouse. Instead of a PS3 controller, and I remember, uh, I remember that scene was a little challenging on the PS3, but it, it seemed to me that it would be easier on the Wii. And my friend in the gaming club insisted that it was worse. So, is you're replaying it on the PC now? So, do you, like do the more complicated brushstroke uh, techniques are are they at all easier, or do you think it's just straight up better with the uh, with the P with the PlayStation controllers? Oh, well, actually, when I've been playing it on PC, I've been using a controller. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, for various reasons, some including the fact that that's how I'm using my uh, my uh, my mic and my headset is plugged into my controller. Um, so, uh, but yeah, in, in general, I just, part of it is vanity. Like, I cannot get brushstrokes to look as nice with a mouse as hmm. they do um, on a controller. It has, it's something to do with the engine that they're using to allow the, the, the analog stick. Uh, I'm sure there's some correction, uh, involved to make it look nice and smooth. Um, it just, it looks better. So part of me doesn't want to do it on the, on the mouse, but yeah, it is sometimes, you know, you would expect it to be, to, to be better, uh, cause you have more precise control with the mouse than you do with an analog stick, but that doesn't, always translate it's the same thing like if you try to draw and paint using a mouse it's i mean you can make really great things and there are people that are can do that but like your average person trying to draw a picture and paint using a mouse it's probably going to look stiff and and kind of crappy because it's just not it's not the ideal sort of medium to be to be doing that kind of work you need to be using 
you know, a pen like thing in order to, or a pencil like, you know, implement to really get the, the precise sort of strokes that you want. And this is a similar thing, I think, with, with Okami is just that it, it works. It's not that it's not functional. Um, and certainly if I played using the mouse more, I'd probably get used to the preciseness and maybe I wouldn't run into situations where I, like I'm trying to draw the bomb and, you know, for whatever reason, I can't, I don't get the circle all the way done. So it doesn't go off, but it's, it's an adjustment. Let's say if you've ever played the game on a console, going to that kind of control, it's an adjustment. And sometimes it ends up screwing you a little bit. It's funny you should mention kind of that that vanity part because I remember getting frustrated even on a single platform when my brush techniques didn't look as nice as I wanted them to or they didn't work. Ami is this great, you know, brush artist. I mean, even Isun from the very get-go is like, holy crap, you're amazing. You're better than me. I'm going to stick around and like mooch off your skill. And then like you, you create this crappy looking... <laughs> thing it's like uh no one saw that right <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh ami is beautiful and graceful so naturally her artwork should be beautiful and graceful and not this you know like <laughs> lame attempt attempt at drawing a diagonal line that is somehow a circle but <laughs> uh so uh, it, it takes getting you the brush controls take getting used to but once you uh have maybe half of the skills in the game and can reliably pull them off you really feel like a badass cuz it's a it's a pretty unique mechanic that i think is implemented excellently from my one time playing the game but uh i mean speaking of art i think maybe we've even been uh not we haven't talked about it enough yet the the game's art style is astounding Yes. Like it, it is it is stunning. It's it's influenced by traditional Japanese art. Uh like everything in the world looks like it's composed of brush strokes. The colors are really bold. It's it is one of the prettiest games of that era and I think that it's and I think it's visual uh its its style and its beauty has has held up. Like I remember seeing um, screens from the uh, HD version and uh, and checking out Caitlin's stream at one time. It's like, "Oh, oh wow. This still looks better than 2017 games." Yes. <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, this is one of those examples of how art design can trump pure graphics power and how even ha- a heavily stylized game can look beautiful, even more beautiful than games that try to, you know, do, do hyper-realistic graphics. Um, so, you know, by all means, developers, keep, keep doing that. Keep, you know, <laughs> having that sort of heavily stylized uh, uh, art design first mentality because, it, you know, Okami shows that it really does work and it really does hold up over the... I mean, because this is... This game is over 10 years old and it still looks freaking gorgeous. So... Yeah, yeah. and, um, and it's, um, we've mentioned it's been remade into HD several times and basically... Uh, when an, a remake is able to have a game look good on modern televisions while still preserving the the art that made that game look beautiful in the first place, then the result is a triumph. I think uh, uh, the I mean it hasn't been out for very long, but the remake of Shadow of the Colossus uh, is a similar thing. Like that game looks beautiful. They had to just make adjustments so that it would look it would still look good on modern systems and modern televisions. And when you know that remake is done thorough, thoroughly and faithfully. A beautiful game looks maybe even better, and it's uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad that none of those remakes seem to ruin Okami because it's really one of the most memorably pretty games I've ever played. 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, talk, just talking about like the art design, even like, we were talking about how the game, you know, has all these uh, references to mythology and folklore. They even throw that stuff into the art design and the way that, and the design of the characters, which is amazing. Like um, Kushi, the sake brewer from Kamiki Village, her full yeah. name is Kushinada, and yeah. that's an actual mythological figure. The myth, but the myth is that she's being, her family's being plagued by the, you know, the demon Orochi and Susano saves her by transforming her into a comb. And you see that in the game because her hair looks like a comb, like one of those flat, you know, combs that you, you might see um, from time to like, think, think the comb from like um, uh, Titanic. Ah, remember that, mm-hmm. that fancy little comb, the butterfly comb, that kind of comb. <laughs> and her hair looks like that. And that was just a really cool little design element. It has nothing to do with the story because the story doesn't in the game doesn't actually touch on that any uh, beyond simply having Susano save her and their names but it was a really nice little easter egg um, for people that are familiar with the, the mythology and that's just you know it's one of many different little touches that they have uh, throwing into the character design and the way that the game is 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 is, uh, is drawn for you so it's just so good yeah, and they're really consistent with those touches too. Just everything comes together in a in a really breathtaking whole picture. Like it's just so consistently just pleasing aesthetically. Right, and um, now I, unfortunately, I, I probably should have refreshed myself better on this, but the uh, the music in Okami also reflects uh, Japanese culture and folklore with a, a lot of traditional n- instrumentation. Even though it's, I mean, it's definitely a video game soundtrack that has its. Uh, you know, it's sort of more battle tracks and it's uh, and versus you know village or peaceful tracks. And and Caitlin, I know you're in you're a major enthusiast of video game music. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the, the on Okami's soundtrack? Uh, it's excellent, and everyone should listen to it. Okay, all right, that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's it's a great soundtrack, and like you said, um, it implements a lot of traditional Japanese instruments, um, things like shamisen, koto. Um, even, uh, you've got, you know, uh, some, uh, vocalizations that and, are, and very... I'm a particular fan of, uh, I'm especially being a, you know, a member of drumlines for many years. There's a lot of tight, ty- there's a lot of underlying taiko in, uh, especially in the battle tracks that I, I always enjoy. Whenever, yeah. Yeah. If I can hear like the and... rumble of a, of a big standing taiko drum, it's like, oh yeah, we're in, we're about to get into some shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, like the basic battle theme is mostly just per- i mean there's there's some instrumentation but it's a lot of percussion too and it's just it's a really it fits the game perfectly being this you know really you know japanese game with lots of japanese mythology and lore and and even the art style looking like traditional japanese artwork so it it's it's fitting to have that sort of you know traditional japanese instrumentation as well but you know it, it's it's never done in a way that I think is inaccessible to people who have not listened to traditional Japanese music. Um, it's, it's still insanely catchy. It's, it's mostly instrumentation choices that are there to, 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 you know, ha- increase the flavor of the, of the music and, and, uh, and fit the, the scene. But I mean, there are, there are pieces like I mentioned, uh, Shinshu Fields, one of those classic pieces. Um, the final boss theme, The Sun Rises, is still one of the absolute best final boss themes I've ever heard. 
Um, so, I mean, there's just so much to love. And I love that they did that, that they, they implemented traditional Japanese instruments, but they, they didn't, they, they kept it, uh, relatable to even to, to modern audiences. Cause you know, even in Japan, uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people who aren't really super into traditional Japanese music. I'm not saying that all of them are, of course, but like, you know, just like here, you know, in the West, not all of us are into classical super, you know, uh, old classical music. Um, so it's great that they could blend the two and make it uh, fit the game, but also just really work very well. You're right, and I, and I apologize if uh, if listeners just accidentally got a, a computer update noise go through the audio. It's, that's my bad. But, um, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. It's uh, It's remarkable how they were able to use traditional Japanese sounds and instrumentation, but also still have it, you know, be a, a video game-ass video game soundtrack with, like, setting the right tones and tempos for different parts of the game, and uh, I, I don't particularly remember the um, final boss theme, but if you insist that it's banging, then I'll take then I'll take your word for it. I might have to check it out on my own time now. Um, it's banging. All right, all right. <laughs> Confirmed banging. I actually have one last music-related question. Has anyone had a chance to listen to the five tones of Okami? It's kind of a different version of the soundtrack. It's sort of a stripped-down version with some Western strings and I think shakuhachi flute and shamisen. And I have not, which is horrible, and I'm a bad person. Okay, no, well, I, I have not heard of that, but I did some very quick background Googling, and we do have a... a, a uh, excuse me, a review of, of that soundtrack that... Um, I, it looks like it was... Uh, Less than a year ago, we posted it, but that uh, that album came out in 2012. Yeah, I I actually started listening to it because of that review, and oh oh, it, you you it, must have proofread it, didn't you? Mm-hmm. That's um, it. Okay, I see now. All right, <laughs> but it's it just I'm mentioning it quickly because it just shows how well some of the music holds up, even in a slightly different form. Like it's still wonderful to listen to. So yeah. There was a jazz album that I reviewed a couple years back uh, that was similarly, you know, totally different instruments. There's no sax uh, and there's like that. There's no, there's no sax in the Okami soundtrack, but to have to, you know, it still held up even using different instrumentation. Awesome. Okay. So that those are two very cool albums that we have reviews on RPGfan.com for listeners. So, uh, and as, and may, listeners that are, maybe you aren't familiar with our music reviews, but all of our music, our, of our, uh, soundtrack reviews have sample tracks of, I, th- I think, uh, might be 30 seconds might be a minute for each of those tracks but uh, you can very very easily listen to sound samples for any of our soundtrack reviews just from a side menu and uh i have not listened to those albums in detail i'm not always good about um about reading every music review that we put out unfortunately sorry marcos but uh (laughs) but yeah definitely check those out because i think i will immediately after this podcast is over There's one complaint about Okami that I hear often. So the runtime of Okami is probably around 40 hours. It's it's a it's lengthy for an action game. Not lengthy for a big RPG, but like it's it's a dense long game uh which is I think mostly to its credit, but also sometimes I mean you know how uh, you know, attention spans and focus can falter if a game feels like it's outstaying its welcome or is a little or would be better if it was a little shorter. So, uh, and, and, I, and I know that Rob uh, Steinman has mentioned multiple times on, ret- on Random Encounter that he has gotten to Kamui, the sort of third act out of three and a half of Okami. He's gotten to Kamui two or three times 
but both, but all of those times he st- ended up stopped playing it because he just ran out of steam. So which is horrible because that's like <laughs> there's not much left once you get to Kamui. Kamui yeah, yeah, itself but, isn't very long. Yeah, it's shorter than the first two segments of the game, to my memory. And yeah. I and I, I should mention I did I have only played the game once, but I did finish it the one time I uh, the one time I committed to playing it. But uh, which and it was five. I think it was 2011 or 2012. But so Caitlin, um, now I know I, I I'm pretty sure that you're gonna say no. This game is not too long. But uh, w- what are your thoughts on the game's sort of uh, length and like and on maybe uh, a player running out of patience or focus? Like, do, do you think that do you think that's a valid criticism or do you think that just it's you know it, it's it does everything just right? Uh, I mean, sorry for putting you on the spot. <laughs> per- personally. The length doesn't bother me. If it bothers, if it's if someone else thinks it's too long, I mean, everyone has their own different levels of uh, attention and, and patience. And you know, you're right. It's an it's it's an action game. It's not a traditional RPG where maybe the length would be uh, more expected. But I don't know. Um, I do feel like because it's shorter, the Kamui arc isn't as developed as um, the Orochi and, uh, and Ninetales arcs are. And that's, that can be, that can be a little problematic. You can, you can sort of feel the game a little bit running out of steam there just because they don't give enough time to really develop um, the, uh, the story of the characters there. They don't get as much as screen time um, as perhaps they should have, although that would have made it longer. So, Um, but when I, when I sit down and I think about it, I, I find myself not, not necessarily sure how they could have made it shorter because, right. mm-hmm. I mean, you can't... The game would have been too short if it ended after Orochi or Ninetales. Especially, it can't end after Ninetales because Ninetales uh, explicitly tells you that its boss, the, the Lord of Darkness, is out there. You can't end a game like that. Right. I, I, I love the Ninetales arc. I think it's maybe the most in, in exciting part of the game. Especially since it has a bit of a cool twist near the end of it, but yeah. it, uh, but I mean, Nine Tails is one hundred percent an interim boss. Like it, it's the, the game would have felt unfinished if uh, if Nine Tails was the end, or even if it was Nine Tails and then an Orochi, Orochi reprise, and that was the end. And, yeah. and so, piggybacking off of your comments, if the game's too long, then what are we supposed to cut? Uh, the story would feel unfinished if you cut any of the major segments. And the world wouldn't feel as rich or as lush if you, if you, you know, provided fewer things for the player to do. And yeah, like side quests and, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like side quests and hidden items. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I understand if you think there's too many damn beads to collect. I think that, I think that is. I like, never do that. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. Some some people have that collector instinct, and some people don't. And I understand. And I'm and for me, it depends on game to game whether I collect everything. But. Uh, there's a lot to do in Okami. There is some backtracking, which is unfortunate because I don't think anyone really loves backtracking. But it's it's long, but I think it justifies its plot points and and the density of its world. So I admit I was sort of ready for the game to end when I was an hour forty and near the end of the game. But saying a game is too long or it outstays its welcome usually means there's something unpleasant or bad or badly designed about about something in the second half, and I don't think that's true of Okami. I, I agree that it's long for an action game, and I understand if people get fatigue on it, but it's, it's really awesome. You both bring up really, really interesting points, because fatigue can happen for so many different reasons. It could be 
it's closely tied to the expectation that these types of games are usually shorter. It could be because that third act, you know, you're used to this really, really rich story. And if the third act doesn't have quite as much of that, that could actually also maybe be a source. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say exactly why. And some people will feel it and some won't. It's the one thing, though, that if people when people harp on the game, that's what they usually harp on is, oh, that game was so long. And I mean, it's yeah, it's it's a 40 hour game. But like I also I, I play a ton of RPGs that are that I spend way more time on. Um, I have 120 plus hours in Xenoblade 2 right now, and I still have a couple chapters before the end of the game. I, I played so- I played Persona 5 twice in 2017, and, and that game is. Uh, 90 hours so i'm, I'm yeah I, if i was if i complain that a game is too long i'm basically a hypocrite every time <laughs> yeah so i mean but you know it is to be fair it's not it's not a traditional rpg it's i mean we're actually we're stretching the definition of rpg to include it again you know because it's a zelda game and we cover zelda um so i think you know hillary i think you're right about expectations because of the the, the type of game that it is. People look at a game like this and they expect it to be shorter because I don't, I feel like, you know, traditional RPGs, they expect length because RPGs are all about stories and, and battle sequences that take time. And Okami, while it has a great, it has a long story, it doesn't feel necessarily like a traditional RPG with, you know, you don't have a, a party with different characters and you don't have long turn-based battles. The battles are actually really short outside like, of uh, boss battles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, maybe the expectation is, well, this should be shorter because it's clearly an action game and action games are usually somewhere in the 25 to 30 hour range instead of like 40 plus. But, I, I mean... I think for me, part of it was just I was anticipating this game so much from the very first trailer, and I was so in love with it that, and when it went, when when I got it and when I started playing it, it was everything that I expected it to be and wanted it to be. So for me personally, I was just like, bring it on! I want more of this. I don't want it to end. I was, I was happy after Orochi and Nine Tails when it's like the story's not over yet because it's like, yeah, bring me more. I don't want to say goodbye to these characters yet, mm-hmm. and. To its credit, that length, I feel, gets repaid in the ending sequence when you get to see all of these characters that you've met and helped along the way sending their prayers and thoughts to Ami to make her stronger so that she can fight uh, the, the Lord of Darkness, Yami. So that was such a great moment a callback to all of those previous experiences that to me, even if you feel the game is long, it kind of makes it worth it. Basically the moral of the story is Rob Steinman is wrong and uh, Okami is long and a, a little intense for being a 40 hour game, but it's awesome and people should play it anyway. <laughs> Let's be real. Rob can be wrong about a few things. Sorry, Rob. I love you, but yeah. I love Rob as a friend, but it, I would be, you know, neglectful of our friendship if I didn't argue with him about and disagree with him about a lot of video game topics. <laughs> I should say wrong is maybe a strong word. Like, you know, it's an opinion. <laughs> everyone, everyone has an opinion, and, and most, most opinions, um, I won't say all because some of our president's opinions, yeah. Um, but most opinions, you know, are, you know, it's not right or wrong. It's just 
I agree or I disagree. Well, okay. All, all right. Now, now, now to, to use a very crude popular analogy, opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. And, and they, they all stink. And they're, yes, exactly. <laughs> and I'm biased because I am the type of player who takes their time and every, and really enjoys just kind of going through a game. So everything takes me a long time. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> For for me, especially when it comes to open world games, and Okami is not, I don't think Okami is really uh, part of the open world trend that began with uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 and is still ongoing, but uh, w- w- like I-, I always have a certain pace with open world games, like I'll collect and explore a lot, but then I'll hit a breaking point where it's like, okay, time to stop, just uh, to stop walking through the woods and race to the finish line, and I don't think that really happened to me with Okami, because it's a, not exactly a... Uh, a, a, an open world game with the modern common connotation of what that mean of what that is, but when I had gotten through through Kamui, I was ready for the game to end, and I remember thinking it was a long game and long for the kind of game it is. But I, I mean, what are you supposed to cut? It's not. I don't think it's too long. It's just a, it's just a uh, a richly detailed game. Yeah. Let's uh, change topics a little bit. Um, Okami did not have a troubled development history necessarily, but there's some drama around its development that I think I think is worth talking about. Um, now, Capcom had this in-house studio called Clover that made uh, that made a couple games. They made Beautiful Joe, God Hand, and Okami. And um, Clover was headed by Hideki Kamiya and uh, and a few other influential Capcom directors and executives. And Kamiya was one of the architects of Resident Evil, along with Shinji Mikami, and was sort of the main uh, guy behind Beautiful Joe and Devil May Cry and a few other games. Um, and and he was the uh, the I believe the 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 creative lead on Okami. But shortly after Okami came out. Um, uh, Capcom shut down Clover Studios, citing that uh, Okami and God Hand both had lo- both had sales that were too low. That ended with a sort of a rift between Kamiya and Capcom proper, which I I, I may I may be over dramatizing. Um, I hope I'm not. And he ended up founding a company called Platinum Games, which has made several games over the years. Kamiya doesn't work on every single Platinum title, like he uh, he didn't work on Near Automata, for example. But his baby within. Platinum Games has been Bayonetta, which is sort of his, I, I, probably his successor to Devil May Cry's brand of over-the-top action, I would guess. Mm-hmm. But, but, but anyway, um, Okami did have a sequel with Okami Den, but with uh, Chibiyami and, uh, and you know, a lot of very cute infant versions of the Brush Gods. I haven't, I, uh, I haven't played Okami Den, but it was, it was well-received, but not as popular as Okami proper. And the, the word on the street is the reason Capcom hasn't done a major big budget follow-up to Okami is because they don't want to do that without some of the original staff present. Like, they, like they, they don't want to do it and because it, it, it could be interpreted as a slap in the face to Kamiya and the other people from Clover Studios. Which is unfortunate, I think, but it's, uh, but, I mean, that's not Capcom playing the respectful going the respectful route for this is not necessarily the worst choice. So, um, Hillary, I, I, you, I'm not asking you to comment on that entire saga that I just <laughs> that I just gave an abridged version of, but uh, let, uh, do you think Okami there is enough juice and enough enthusiasm for an Okami two if it had the level of budget and attention to detail as the first game, or would you would you not want to see one without Kamiya, or uh, sort of what's your feelings on a totally hypothetical, theoretical, unconfirmed <laughs> Okami two? 
All right. Well, I mean, it's actually probably going to be pretty short because I think if enough of the original team could get involved and if everything worked out the right way, then yes, I'd love to see more in that world. Um, I'm a little bit hesitant just because I think Okami stands so well on its own, but I would at least be curious and I'd be way excited about the artistic portion of it. All right. And uh, Caitlin, um, basically same question, mm-hmm. but potential Okami too. Uh, anything, any commentary on the Kamiya versus Capcom saga or plat- or Clover or Platinum in general? Um, well, so first I do find it kind of, uh, it's an interesting development because, um, you know, shutting the studio down because of poor sales and yet how many times have we ported this game to different platforms? Yeah, yeah. Capcom yeah. doesn't want to make Okami 2, but they are overjoyed <laughs> to keep porting it to every new system that can support it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, clearly, they, they it did well enough in previous incarnations, or they expected to do well enough that they devoted the resources to have it ported. And, and particularly with this last one, to have it ported to two uh, architectures that it wasn't originally designed for, to have it on Xbox and PC. Not Not necessarily that it's super hard, but like this was originally a Sony only game and now they expended resources to have, uh, or rather Sony, Sony it. and we Sony and yeah. And we, uh, but, but, or, but, or, but yeah. your, your point still stands. It's a, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not like they're only putting it on the next PlayStation. They, they've, they've uh, branched out on the different system architectures. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's just kind of interesting and you know, it's a little bit of them shooting themselves in the foot, I guess, getting, uh, closing down a studio that clearly, uh, does good stuff. Um, you know, Okami has obviously been well received enough now over, you know, over the past 10 years to get those uh, re-releases and remasters. And, you know, as far as what Kamiya and, and Platinum um, games have been doing, I mean, people go bonkers over Bayonetta. Um, so yeah. it's like, you know, eh. and I guess I appreciate the fact that they wouldn't want to proceed without uh, Kamiya present without the original team. That's, I, that's nice. It's, it's nice to see that kind of, um, I guess like you can call it sort of loyalty to the original vision to not just say, well, we just want to make money on a sequel. So we're just going to do it without you. And it will probably not be as good because sometimes you can't really uh, replace uh, the original vision. Um, we've seen that in games where uh, directorship uh, changed uh, over mid game, like my beloved final fantasy 12. Hmm. Um but yeah, I think, I think my my opinion kind of echoes Hillary's. If they could, if they could get enough of the original team back, and depending on the the direction they take it, there is an opening at the end of the game for a sequel because you have you have Ami and you have um, uh, uh, Waka, uh, you know, flying off to uh, to heaven basically, and he himself even says, you know. This is not it. We have we have a lot left to do. So there's an opening there. But I also agree again with Hillary that the original is just so it's it's so much the complete package. I'd be worried about that, you know, sequel syndrome where it's it's good. I'm sure whatever they would make would be good, but would it be as good? Would it cla- would it capture the same feeling as the original? That's always the the uh, the risk and yeah, if 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 we can have the original team, I would feel better about it versus just like, hey, here's more Okami. Don't care who made it, just just take it. 
I'm of two minds about it. Uh, I, I might, maybe I might be warmer on the idea of an Okami 2 more so than either of you, but um, I'm looking at a different case of a, uh, a high-profile creator at Capcom leaving and then subsequent sequels happening with uh, Keiji Inafune and Mega Man. Um, Inafune had been at fir- first an artist with Capcom in the 80s and then, a, uh, and then one of the architects of Mega Man and then he sort of was Mr. Mega Man through m- the entire 90s and 2000s. And um, after Mega Man had uh, 9 and 10 come out, which were sort of NES-style uh, retro games, he left Capcom shortly after t- Mega Man 10 completed and eventually had his uh, own Mega Man-like project, uh, Mighty Number no. 9, not be received terribly well. And now, in 2018, Mega Man 11 is planned to come out without Keiji Inafune it, uh, later this year. They, they haven't given it a hard date yet. And, uh, and, and I wonder why they're willing to do that with Mega Man and not with any of the, cap- of the old Clover properties like Beautiful Joe or Okami. And I think it has to do with first time, since it's been eight years, and that's a, and that's a while. And second... I was reading some stuff about Mega Man 11's development, and basically it was younger and less proven people within Capcom talking about bringing it back for years and pitching uh, Mega Man 11 ideas to executives for years, multiple times, before finally cracking through and getting Capcom to, and getting sort of, you know, the support they needed to make the game. And I think Okami 2 may or may not happen, but if it does, it will be... It probably won't have Kamiya. It'll be new people who have been thinking about making an, an Okami, a new Okami for probably more than a decade. I, I would bet against it, probably. But uh, I, I think that an Okami 2, the door's not totally shut on it. Especially if the uh, Okami HD recent remakes um, were successful. So, we've been very effusive in our praise of Okami uh, throughout this whole episode. I mean, all three of us love this game, and... Uh, are you know part of the throng that has uh, gotten has been very enthusiastic of it over the years, but uh, I, I know that there's some flaws we could talk about. So uh, I guess Caitlin, you might be the um, you know the most uh, enthusiastic fan person um, on the site for Okami. Is there any part of the game that you think is a real check mark against it? Uh, well, the single worst thing, is, in my opinion, would be the camera controls on console. Sure. <laughs> I mean, um, 3D action games in the 2000s. <laughs> Do any of them have good cameras? I'm, I don't even know. Well, this one certainly doesn't. Uh, it's <laughs> it is floaty. It's all over the place. It's hard to position it the way you want it to. Um, and this is particularly an issue with the game where you have to have the camera pointed in a particular direction in order to do brush techniques. Um, the ones that are, tend to be the most annoying is when you're trying to use Vine to connect Ami to a, uh, a flower. And you have to have both the flower and Ami in the frame so that you can uh, touch both of them. And sometimes, depending on where the flower is and where Amaterasu is and the camera's particular uh, hatred of you at the moment, it can be really hard to get them both in frame. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's not that it's horrible horrible it it functions and it works but it is way more floaty than it probably should be um and you know luckily on uh, now we have a pc version it's uh, a lot easier to to control the camera on pc um but then you have to sort of for me personally have to to deal with uh, my brush strokes not looking nice so it's kind of like i chose the awful camera over having my brush strokes look like crap and that's how much 
I care about the brushstrokes in the game. Ugly brushstrokes that no one else will ever see are, <laughs> you know, the most tragic part of this game. Yeah. Well, you know, there's always that one opportunity in the moon cave when you have to make your, your mask and you can do whatever you want. You can just go bonkers there and make something absolutely horrifying. Like, I... um. I tried to draw Cosmos when I was doing it for stream. Oh, boy. People asked for Cosmos, and I mean, I think you could squint and kind of see it, but it it also just looked like some sort of, you know, weird-ass monster. So, I mean, and that, that's, not, that's not necessarily a camera issue. It's just, you know, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, the camera. Um, the other, I guess, the other major issue is that sometimes um, tech speed and progressing through... Uh, text um, for a game that has as much dialogue as it does. Uh, it would have been nice to have an, a way to speed up text. Um, you can, of course, you know, skip through the movement to the very end um, and then keep going. But that, even that can get kind of tedious. And it doesn't work for certain major cutscenes. There are some cutscenes where you cannot speed the text or skip ahead, and that can be a little frustrating. So, I mean, like. You know, little 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 things that can be kind of annoying since they don't really tarnish the the full experience. But you know, there is there's no game I've ever played that is 100% perfect, and Okami is you know, Okami is of course also not perfect, even though it's really good. Right on. So, uh, Hillary, do you remember any uh, nagging issues with the game that frustrated you, or you, you think again if you were writing a review in the column of in the cons column, anything you can think of that might appear? I know of one that comes up frequently, but one that actually I like, and that's the the scrambled sounds, like the dialogue sounds, actually, when characters are speaking. I know there are lots of people that think those are annoying. I think that's charming. (laughs) Yeah, I do. the, the, The weird, goofy, mumbled language. I do too. I think it sort of enhances the idea that this is some sort of, you know, epic tale somewhere that's that's being told, and I can, you can almost kind of see someone like doing voices for all these different characters. <laughs> but I don't know. It, it's it seems like it's come up repeatedly, so I figured it was worth mentioning. That's fair. We we, we hadn't brought up the mum, the mumble speech in the game, so I'm glad that we at least addressed it. Yeah. Although you can turn it off, so I mean, like eh, that's true. Yeah. Well, but that's, that's yeah. no fun. <laughs> I, I I think uh, consider again considering how much dialogue there is and how many characters there are, and we all know that voice acting. While there's a lot of great voice acting jobs out there, there's also a lot of shitty voice acting jobs out there. I'm grateful that they didn't do actual voice acting over this. I think it's it could have been really bad. It's an interesting compromise between full voice acting and and no voice acting for this text. To have it to have it, you know, the the kind of um, uh, speech going through. But I, I thought it was charming and also, you know, goes to the uh, the, sl- the the occasionally obvious and occasionally subtle sense of humor that the game has with you know different characters, uh, actions, and dialogue. Because this is secretly a very a very funny script. And um, if anything, I think the, the mumble speech makes it funnier. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think that may do it for episode 123 of Retro Encounter. We have been talking about Okami for an hour, and it is a super good game that anyone with, uh, you know, that, that likes the Zelda formula or Japanese folklore or action games in general or a lot of the games that RPG fan likes, you should 
uh, owe it to yourself to try this game out. I mean, since it's been released six times on different systems, it's kind of hard to avoid by this point, I would say. And uh, again... Yes, you can't run away from it now. It's basically on any system that you might possibly own. <laughs> and at the time of recording, Caitlin, you've been uh, playing this on Twitch. You have a review of the PS4 version that you posted on the site uh, at the end of 2017. Uh, we've mentioned that there's at least two versions of the Okami soundtrack, or arrangements of the Okami soundtrack, that we have in the RPG fan music section. If you're interested in some Okami-related contact uh, content, excuse me, RPG fan is not a bad place to look. But looking ahead a little bit, um, we have still a second episode of Valkyrie Profile, uh, um, which is our February our Retro Encounter Game of the Month uh, ahead of us. And uh, Hillary, you were on the, the... I don't think you've recorded the second episode yet, but you were on the first episode earlier this uh, month, right? Yep, that's right. Very cool. And that is a game I have never played and seriously thought about joining that episode. But... In the end, I made the decision to play Zelda and Monster Hunter instead. <laughs> Let's see, and I, I guess we can mention this now. Um, in March, Retro Encounters game is Planescape Torment. The uh, I now I, I don't know a ton about this game, so I hope I'm not getting any of these details wrong. It is a game made in the Infinity Engine in 1999. It's a Western-made RPG uh, from. I think it's Black Isle Studios that did that, the, the people that made Fallout 2 and a lot of other classic Western RPGs of around that time. And uh, Chris Avalone, who is a very respected writer of games of that genre, was the, one of the main writers of Planescape Torment. And it's, uh, it's based in a D&D-inspired universe that I know, very, that I know nothing about called Planescape. But, and the, the game is a cult classic, and I know a few people on RPG fan staff, are very excited to talk about that. So in March, please look forward to two episodes on Planescape Torment, in addition to uh, Valkyrie Profile Part 2 immediately after this episode. So thank you, listeners, for listening to us for this hour plus, and thank you, Caitlin and Hillary, for joining me on this special Year of the Dog Okami Appreciation Station. Um... If, uh, listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can comment on the rpgfan.com Facebook page or on the rpgfan.com uh, message board or find us on Twitter at rpgfancom. And uh, if you want to send us a review that helps the podcast be more visible and reach more people, do please do so on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you can review the podcast that you're getting. So uh, starting with you, Hillary... If listeners want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to do so? I am EP Fire on the boards, and again, as usual, happy to discuss Okami. <laughs> and uh, Caitlin, same question to you. I am Leon Cazero on the boards. I'm also Leon underscore Cazero on Twitter. Twitter more than the boards. I'm I'm kind of a lurker these days on the boards. So, um, but yeah, either either one works. Right on. And I, I neglected to mention this earlier. RPG Fan also has a Slack channel. Oh, wait, okay, whoops. No! <laughs> I, was, I was looking at my toolbar and said the wrong thing. Um, RPG Fan has a Discord channel that, uh, that a lot of people have been getting into recently. There's a lot of chat, chatting going on there. I think it may be invite-only, so if you, if you can't um, log on easily to the RPG Fan Discord, just hop on the boards and, and uh, ask for, to be invited, and it will happen without a problem. I, um, our forum moderator Greg is the uh, uh, also runs the Discord. 
And uh, personally, if you want to reach me directly, I am at the Real Monsoon on Twitter. I am Monsoon on the RPG fan boards, and I have a second Twitter just for just for you know my weird stuff called at Evoker for Dogs. I guess that's appropriate for the Year of the Dog episode. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Even though that is referring to a specific dog that we did discuss on our Dogs of RPGs uh, episode last Koto-chan. year. Koto-chan! He's, oh. he's a very good boy. He's such a good boy. And I, 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 I said this on the podcast last year, but I love it when he gets a critical hit or or uh, or, some, or kills an enemy or something and Yukari or Junpei says, Oh, Koro-chan, good boy! Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you are a good boy. That was an excellent critical hit. All right, listeners, thank you. Good night and good luck.